Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according According to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Your home for everything rugby league. This is Running It Straight with Tony Kemp and Sam Hewitt on SENZ. Oh, Yeah, welcome, uh, welcome into running it straight here on ECNZ. Sam here alongside uh, former Kiwi international, former Warriors coach Tony Kemp, and uh, whoa, we've got international test footy on this weekend, oh, and, a great, and a great young Rabs. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. But a lot of uh, a lot of internationals on this weekend. It's of course. Uh, uh, got the Orange on Sunday, so good leading on Saturday night with the Kiwis playing Tonga, mate. Can't wait. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Um, remember, you can text in the show anytime, double eight, double three. Uh, we do a segment after 3.30 called Six Again. That's uh, six questions from the text machine. So double eight, double three, if you've got a question about anything at all rugby league related, whether it's Warriors, whether it's Kiwis, international state of origin, um, put those to us and we will get to them after 3.30. Um, our feature interview today is with uh, Dwayne Mann, former Kiwi and former Tongan International himself. Um, he's going to come on, preview the upcoming test this weekend. Um, a great man, and uh, he'll join us at around about 3.15. We'll preview um, all the internationals this weekend, as well as State of Origin, and uh, cast our wise back over uh, round 15, which finished... Uh, on Sunday. Um, so lots to come on the show between now and four o'clock. Um, but we start the show as we always do with this. Kimpy's call. Yeah, Sam, well, is this the greatest spine we have ever seen in a Kiwi test team that runs out against Tonga this weekend? Let's have a look back over the years and see where this spine sits in comparison to the others. Let's look at the World Cup in 2008. Isaac Luke, Nathan Fien, Benji Marshall and Lance Hyatt, their back must be pretty good. They won that game and brought the World Cup home to New Zealand. I thought that was a pretty good spine. And how about the one in 2005, the Four Nations side of Bluey McLennan who cleaned up the Aussies over in England 24-0. Stacey Jones, Nigel Wagner was playing 5-8. Then Brent Webb, the Aussie at the back and Dave Fioma at hooker. Again, not too bad. 2014 was a good year for the Kiwis as well. They twice beat Aussie in the Four Nation, that's spine. Karen Four and Sean Johnson, great halves at the time. Peter Hicku at fullback, who's playing centre this weekend. And Isaac Luke, the second time he got one over the Australians. And let's not forget these guys, Clayton Friend, Olsen Filipina, Gary Kimball and Howie Tarmody. The famous game at Carlow Park. You remember they should have won that test series. They went down in the first two, but won the last one, 18-0. And that, for me, 
was who I watched to become a Kiwi and follow in those footsteps. But for me, mate, I think this weekend, Jerome Hughes, Dylan Brown, Brandon Smith and Joe Manu could eclipse them all. We'll find out this week. Can't wait. It's going to be a cracker. That was Kimpy's call. Okay, Kimmy. So, best Kiwi spine, you reckon? What What about uh, What about that spine sticks out to you the most? What What well, really makes you go? You know what? Yeah, that is that is probably the best we've ever had. Well, well, two of them um, of the ones that I I named had Nathan Fien and Brent Webb in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, for purists, this is a, actually a pure Kiwi. Uh, spine, and the other other part of it is that, apart from the uh, the Kiwi team of uh, Clayton Free and Olsen Fulapana, Gary Kimball and and Howie Tamati, uh, they all play in their natural positions. Mm. And I think Joey Manu, although he's playing centre for Sydney City, we've seen him run for three hundred metres the last game that he played at fullback, is possibly a fullback that's playing centre, not the other way around. So. Uh, I really like it. I know it's unproved at the moment, and everyone will be saying that. They haven't played a game together. But if you have a look at their club form, yep. Jerome Hughes, Dylan Brown, Brandon Smith, and Joe Manu, mate, they're superstars in, in each each of their own right at their clubs. That's probably the difference here is that a lot of those names you mentioned were just fantastic at, at international level for the Kiwis, but these guys are all playing amazing club football. So uh, if it all clicks with them on uh, on Saturday, Kempe, I might be in your boat. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, like I said, you can text through double eight double three if you have any questions. We'll get to those uh, throughout the show. But uh, we are going to have a quick look at uh, the Round 15 games. It is our Round Rewind. Round Rewind. Thursday evening, uh, the Dragons and the Rabbits, Kempe, and uh, I actually should have got up what we picked, but I know uh, we, I think we both tipped the Rabbits in this one. Uh, the Dragons, the Rebel. The, yeah, the Rebel getting, uh, the Dragons getting up 32 points and to done 12. It easy. And Absolutely done it easy, easy, yeah. yeah. He, he's got to be, he's got to be happy with his team um, getting over the Rabbits at 32-12. No one picked. Uh, St. George should do that. No. Um, we said maybe a little bit of origin fatigue from some of those guys, uh, Damian Cook and, the, and Cameron Murray and the like. Uh, is that, I don't know, what you saw on Thursday night? Uh, well, you could use that, I think, as an excuse, because if you have a look across all the other games, the origin players that play actually got up and won. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, on the Friday night game, the early game, uh, Seagulls-Cowboys, probably the game of the year so far, almost. Uh, the Cowboys storming home with three tries in the last 10 minutes. Um, oh, they were down 26-10, was it, or something? And uh, Valentine Holmes in the 75th. Uh, 28-26. Uh, Manly will be pretty disappointed they didn't close that out. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, they use a get-out-of-jail card, the Cowboys in that one, and uh, Manly be really disappointed with 10 minutes to go. They had it in the bag. So, you know, for me, like we talked the uh, last week about the Cowboys, mate, they're a threat. They're a serious threat to the competition this year. Yeah, um, the, the late game on the Friday night was uh, the Storm and the Broncos, and we sort of pegged it as potentially the game of the round, and the Broncos going high. I think they won the last four or five in a row, but the Storm do what the Storm always do, uh, do Kimby, which is just show teams that think they're going well, but they're still not there. Well, you can't beat class, and they had a great start. The Broncos are shot out to a two-try lead, um, but the Broncos pegged them back, and like, like I said, all the Origin boys came back and played a big part in that one. Yeah, Munster I thought was fantastic, backing up after Origin. Uh, Saturday early night game, uh, with Sharks beating the Titans 18 points to 10. Not too much... Uh no, you know, late, late tried by the Titans. The, scores, the score really flattened the Titans there. The Sharks really didn't get out of second gear. The spoon contenders are Titans, which is really surprising this year after the after the effort they put in uh, in 2021. Oh, I almost don't want to talk about it. Uh, Kempe, 40 well, we points. we called it. 40, we did call it 40 points to six Panthers over the Warriors. But we did sort of both admit during the game that we thought it was a better performance from 
the Warriors are clearly there are still holes but this is the reigning premiers this team is a team that just knows how to win games the Panthers but the Warriors did okay could have been worse well yeah we had young Volkman players first game uh, Chanel Harris-DeVita showed what he could do at a dummy half kick at a 40-20 on the time that he was on as well which you know I wish we had, a, had seen that last year probably and built him into that position but I don't think the Panthers really got out of second gear 40-6 uh, to six, uh, pretty flattering, flattering I think on uh, late night Saturday Eels and the Roosters Eels getting up 26 points to 16 over the Roosters. Uh, Eels scoring all their points basically in the first half um, but getting the job done over the Roosters and probably needed to because there were question marks over you know is this a team that really is top four challenging the top two etc and I think there was a pretty good performance against the Well Roosters. they got towed up by the Bulldogs in it so they had to bounce back and they didn't they do that well. I Look I'm still th- in two minds about the Parramatta Eels or whether or not they can carry that form through to the top four in the finals um, and the Roosters are really disappointed I thought they'd kick on the Raiders and the Knights were the early night Sunday game it wasn't a try <laughs> you don't think so? Leave my Knights alone. They won. They'd won that. No. It was just the Hudson Young try. 78th well, minute. It was, uh, oh, you love seeing that sort of finish in the NRL, though, Kempe, to be yeah. honest. And it was great for my tipping. Oh, of, of course. And Cam- <laughs> mate, Canberra, Ricky sort of got them up, uh, you know, for the for most part of the year. So, you know, look for a late surge by the Raiders. They they got the players. It's just whether or not they can keep the, and keep start, the role going. And they are starting to get more consistent, which is what they lacked in the first sort of uh, five or six rounds. So Canberra did pretty well. And then the final game, on Sunday night was a sort of battle of the of the lower echelons, Bulldogs and Titans. The Bulldogs winning thirty six points to twelve. Um, the Bulldogs really are starting to kick in the gear, Kimpy. We said that they possibly could go on a roll. You know, Addo Carr again scoring tries, Burton making it into the orange side. The Tigers, man, don't they look terrible? So mm. they play the Warriors next. Uh, let's hope that the Warriors get back on that winning way against the Tigers oh, in two weeks' time. I'll just quickly run through the ladder before we go to a break. Uh, so that leaves the Panthers in first place out now, twenty eight points. Uh, the Storm have played one less game, though. They're on 24 and second. Cowboys on 22 and third. Sharks in fourth on 20. Broncos tucked in behind them on f- uh, 20 points in fifth, and the Eels on 20 points in sixth. So just uh, points differential separating the Sharks in fourth and the Eels in sixth. Rabbitohs on 16 and seventh, and Dragons into the top eight on 16 there. Uh, the Roosters are nine and 14. Seagulls, 10th on 14. Raiders, 11th on 14. Knights, 12th on 10. Points. The Bulldogs go up to 13th with eight points. The West Tigers are 14th with eight points. The Warriors getting scary. Uh, 15th position on eight points. And the Titans 16th on six. There you go. That's your round 15 rewind. That is your ladder. Um, after the break, we're going to talk with uh, Tongan and Kiwi, former Tongan and Kiwi international, uh, Dwayne Mann. I cannot wait for this big game this weekend. We'll catch up with Dwayne right after this. SCNZ. Hitting analysis of one of the greatest games on earth. We're talking rugby league. This is Running It Straight on SENZ. Yeah, very exciting weekend of rugby league coming up, and we've got an international from Mount Smart this Saturday in New Zealand. The Kiwis facing off against Tonga, and uh, we have the call live here on SENZ. Kempi is calling it alongside Dale Husband, so tune in for that. It's going to be a cracker, and uh, a very special privilege to welcome into running it straight here on SENZ, former Tonga international, former Kiwis international, uh, Dwayne Mann. Welcome in, Dwayne. Do, do we have you there, Dwayne? Yeah, all oh, good. There you go, mate. How, <laughs> how you doing, mate? You must be pretty excited about this weekend. Which uh, which shirt will you be wearing on Saturday night? 
Uh, both, mate. There's a uh, we're in half each. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Where's one under the one under the other? Eh, Warren? And it depends on who's going to win that game, mate. You've played for both teams. It's good to have you on the show, uh, Dwayne. You played for both teams, and I was thinking when I was looking at the Tongan team arriving back in New Zealand and just the way that they've been brought back into the country and surrounded by their whānau, what is the difference, because you've been involved in both, between how the Tongans are treated here in New Zealand and being in that Kiwi team? Oh, look, there's similarities, and, you know, it's been strengthening uh, with with the Kiwis, and, you know, we can we can go back a while, Kempe, uh, you, you and I, and, and see some of the change, and, and not only... Uh, the most obvious one is around Haka, but you know some of those uh, things that we were doing during the week uh, off the field uh, culturally, and uh, I must give um, you know recognition to to our great mate Howie Tamati when he was a coach, and and some of the multi players that we had within the Kiwis, and that uh, you know were were leading that, and but to where it is today, um, you know, and and the Haka and the Sipital and, and off the field, but you know for Tonga it's it's. It's something uh, next level. And, you know, enough Tongans, we also say that when we compare it to our Pacific brothers and sisters uh, from, from Samoa or Cook Islands. But, you know, Tongans have demonstrated uh, since 2017 and, and probably a little bit before that as well, uh, being in uh, rugby league, but in other parts. What's important to a Tongan, Tongan is, you know, the God, kingdom and your inheritance. So uh, they celebrate and enjoy and come out in numbers and it's more than just rugby league. Yeah, and, and I can see that, mate. I can see that in the flags that are currently being... Um, oh, everywhere you go, you see you see the Tongan support there. And I'm probably going to see a sea of red there on Saturday night when we commentate. Mate, when you looked at both sides, and I know you would have looked at the Kiwi side as well as the Tongans, where do you see the strengths in both sides? The, the the Kiwi side is is strong right across there. The obvious one, it's uh, you know with the Tongan side, there's this younger, new Tongan uh, player coming through, and you know and, and what it is, it's it's uh, the legacy that uh, like Sikamano and, and Jason, some of these current players created, and um, so so these young Tongan players and you know Christian Tutuloto. Uh, um, uh, Stafford Toil was probably was, was unlucky to, to make the team. But, uh, you know, Toletel Kalua, Wilpitz Penesini, you know, there's a younger Toletel Moni who will go out in the seven. So these younger players coming through, that's a difference where in the, in the Kiwi side, um, really excited about, even though we've got four debut, debutants in the Kiwi side, uh, Dylan Brown is uh, so excited to, to be able to see him play. He's something special. Yeah, it looks like um, Dwayne that they've put um, Nukori in the in the centres there uh, up against uh, the Brisbane, um, I guess the powerhouse that Katoni Stags that played in the First Origin uh, to try and uh, combat that. Do you see uh, that's where the strengths lie? Is in their bigger guys, the Tongan boys, getting there and, and using their their speed and their strength out wide. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I I really like you know. Um uh, you know, Satili um, and what he can bring uh, to Panua. Uh, you know, I think Adam Panua Blake, um, you know, he will pull something out. I'm expecting him to pull something out special as well. But in particular, with the, those leaders, of course, with, with Jason, uh, Satili, uh, Siro Siro Takiho, 
um, Adam, you know, there's real strength there, and, and loving to see that uh, that battle where they come up against James Fisher Harris and, and Sire Papali. So, um, you know, it's really exciting there. But uh, I'd probably say the the outside backs for the Kiwis just uh, m- maybe have just one over the the Tongan backs and uh, Moses Sully, what he's. Uh, uh, devastating, uh, large, hard to take. Sione uh, Katoa on the wing. Um, you know, I just really like the the mobility and the silky skills that uh, uh, that Kiwi backline has. Joseph Munwood, fullback. Um, you know, he's a threat anywhere he plays on the planet. Yeah. Hey, and a new coaching uh, regime with uh, Wolf staying up there in in St Helens. You've got Dean Young and Wayne Bennett as assistant. What do you think that Wayne Bennett factor? We've seen it happen with the Kiwis in two thousand and eight when they won the World Cup. Can we see Wayne Bennett adding his influence over this team and, and possibly causing an upset? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's an upset as, as much as we, we, we might think, uh, you know, because of Tonga's, uh, you know, recent performances. So, you know, Wayne, Wayne Bennett has that, that magic touch wherever he goes. Um, but Dean Young has been a part of this coaching staff. And I was talking to Christian Wolf a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, Tonga, we've always, um, you know, been light in, in the halves. And, and it's no different this time around. But uh, Christian's been, um, whilst he's not been hands-on with the team in, prepar- in preparation for, for Saturday's match, he, he has had a large involvement, though. But, you know, um, again, it's this player group, though, that, um, you know, what Wayne Bennett will, will, will bring to it is... is uh, the things that he does best in, in the sort of relationships and, and, and having the, the team narrow their focus, but but it's a playing group, you know, and it's the things that uh, you know, your first question when we, when we started around what's what's happening off the field, um, you know, the Tongan leaders out here in the community, um, especially across South Auckland, Pakala uh, Manasa Lua, Jimmy Silesa, and a number of them, Unatalfa, one of the Matima Tonga old boys uh, back in 1995, they uh, exited Alofi. They've been doing things with the team, um, strengthening their culture, bringing them tighter together. So, um, yeah, I'm expecting a close match. Yeah, look, I was going to ask you about whether or not the old boys got involved. And you mentioned the 1995 uh, game and the and the World Cup that ones, mate. I always wanted to ask you, Warren. I've never I've never spoken to you about it, but you know, you've got 11 minutes to go. Tonga's up by 10 against the Kiwis in the first game of the World Cup. What were you guys saying at the time? Well, to, to, to be honest, you know, we, we weren't saying a lot, but, um, you know, there was definitely a momentum sort of shift and, and when your bench came came on, I mean, Richard Blackmore was, was doing some freakish things that set up a few breaks. Hotel Cassini, and I recall, came off the bench. Um, but, you know, the, prior to that, uh, you know, the Kiwi boys had made a number of uncharacteristic uh, self self errors and and, and the, you just really tidied themselves up in that in that back uh, you know twelve minutes or so. Matthew Ridge kicking sideline conversions to to get a bit of uplift in the team too. But yeah, we were backpedalling and uh, we just compounded with um, some turnovers and, and and we just sort of you know, found ourselves. Um, I don't think uh, the pressure got to us, but it was more so the fatigue. I think. Yeah, I just want to mention that game because for me, that's the that's the day uh, yourself and Georgie Mann, Owen uh, Gutenberg stepped up for Tonga and really showed, them, I guess, the world that Tonga was going to be a, a um, I guess, a force in the future. Just the last question before we let you go, uh, Dwayne. What about like future games? Like, is this game, the Tongan game, the Kiwi game, a, a game that could be played annually and maybe in a series, like a three-game series? Um, my sort of mindset is strengthening um, 
all the Pacific teams, you know. And so over in Campbelltown, there's uh, you know Papua New Guinea, Fiji, uh, the Cook Island team, Samoa, you know. So so my my mindset's about strengthening all of the teams and everyone getting the same sort of platform to play. But yeah, in, in short, there's there's this. Uh, genuine sort of um, uh, yeah, yeah, battle and, and rivalry that Tonga and the Kiwis have established. Um, but, you know, we know that uh, when, when also uh, the Kiwis play Samoa, when Tonga play Samoa, it's the same rivalry. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd like everyone to have, to have the, the platform that, that's up there. Uh, I love the, the one about, the, you know, the, the weekend of international football, not having state of origin uh, get in the way of it. Um, but yeah, there's a place for for this ongoing rivalry between uh, between Tonga and New Zealand. That's uh, really exciting, and you know I don't know the crowd numbers at the moment, but um, you know I'm expecting again to see a red out there on the weekend. Yeah, bring your sunglasses because there'll be plenty of red. Don't worry about that. <laughs> hey, um, good good to talk to you today, Wa. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on the uh, the league show this afternoon, and uh, I'll definitely see I'll probably see you there on on Saturday when the the Tongans take on the Kiwis. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well done, Kempi. Go the Kiwis, go Tonga. There you go, brilliant. Uh, Dwayne Mann joining us there. Um, Kimby, I know with the World Cup, um, the ticket sales were quite late for those Tonga games. I, I don't know, that might be a, you know, they... they oh, buy there'll t- be a big walk-up. Yeah, they'll, they'll buy tickets on the day. So I imagine Saturday will be, you know, if not a sellout, very close to it. Yeah, look, um, come and come along and I'll tell you what, if you want to see a spectacle, I've been to two uh, games that Tonga have played in uh, against Australia and against New Zealand, and, man, you have seen nothing like it mm. in this country. I mean, you have seen nothing like it. You've heard nothing like it. It is the happiest time for Tongans in Auckland, but in New Zealand, uh, when they're supporting their team. It will be a sea of red. I can mm. guarantee you that. I had a mate who went to the game in, uh, in Hamilton during the World Cup, and he said by the end of the 80 minutes, he was nearly cheering for Tonga. It was that... You know the atmosphere was so electric that yeah. you actually wanted to get in behind them. So um, now it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic game. We will run through the other international games uh, coming up as well. But one thing that um, I was going to ask you, Kempi, I, I was thinking about asking um, Dwayne this, but <laughs> the defection. I know we call it a defection, but I think from the Tongan point of view, it, it's it's a lot more positive than that. When when those guys left the Kiwi squad in 2017, they came to Tonga. It set up a bit of a tsunami for guys now wanting to come and play for these Pacific Island teams. What was going on before that? That you know, why the reason why these guys perhaps didn't you know they they align themselves with Australia and New Zealand as opposed to Tonga, Fiji, Samoa. Well, the, the, you align yourself with Australia because you get a chance to play Origin. They still do that, and as you see with the Origins um, sides that are being picked, it's heavily influenced with Pacifica um, flavour through it. As far as the international goes, it's the big three. Mm. Okay, you got Great Britain, Australia, and New Zealand have always been the big three, and they've always had their, I guess, their fingers in the pie. And most of the Pacifica back in the day, would play for New Zealand as opposed to Australia. But that that's changing. I think what Tonga uh, especially have done by competing and beating the big three, mm. you've got to remember that, they've beaten the big three, has said to the other Pacific nations, man, we need to be a part of this. And this is where the international game needs to step up. There should be an opportunity for these Pacifica players to evolve and start to represent uh, their countries of choice and and New Zealand will get, get stronger um, by that, as will Australia, but they've got to let it happen. Yeah. All right? One-off games isn't enough. If you look through, you know, we're gonna, we're going to 
preview the games, but if you look through the, the sides, it's just full of players out of the NRL. And what's also going on up there is there's an all-star game going up in England, which is also full of Pacifica players playing against the Great Britain side. So Pacifica being used as platforms for higher honours for origin and the English side, and we get one shot with the New Zealand team. I think we should have more. This is yeah. why I said to Dwayne that the Tongan game, we should have three years ago um, well, there was shell, was, put it on a shelf and put it out there to the public and said, come and watch this every year. There was a chat. Well, there was chat, wasn't there after the World Cup or maybe it was the following year where we did play them and we said this is going to be an ongoing thing. But it's just sort of fallen by the wayside. It seems to have died, died away, that idea. Um, we'll keep talking about international footy coming up. Uh, we'll take news shortly with Johnny Mack. Then after news, uh, six again. Uh, I've got a lot of questions here on the text machine, so I'll handpick six of those out and uh, we'll Put those to Kempi after news with Johnny Mac. Six again, six again. Oh, yeah, six again. So we got uh, six questions from the text machine, double eight, double three. Um, you can still send them in. We might be able to get them before four o'clock. So I've tried to handpick a couple of these uh, and we're going to throw them at Kempi. So let's start with question number one. How? Tackle one. Here we go, Kempi. This one's from Craig in the Bay of Plenty. Uh, what are the current rules around origin and international representation? Is it still only Australian eligible players play in origin? Do you believe there should be changes that's from Craig in the Bay of Plenty. It's a really interesting question. I was part of that um, eligibility rule change in uh, about 2010 because we started to take the likes of Benji and Kieran Four and Kevin Proctor out of the Australian uh, pathway and they were choosing the Kiwis over Origin and, and playing for Australia. So the current rules are, are around the ages of being in the country by the time you're 15 and having played in the state and then going into Origin. The, the, the problem with that, Sam, it's not Origin. Mm. You know, it should be it should really be country of origin, not state of origin, because currently what you're seeing, I'll give you two examples here. Um, Jerome Luai was a junior Kiwi, as was uh, uh, Talakai from Cronulla. Yes. All right. So they, they and if you go back even further, James Tamo was a New Zealand Maori representative in the 2008 World Cup in the prelim game and played junior Kiwis before a Kiwi game in Wellington. So, you know, it hasn't in a sense... Um, I guess, help New Zealand, but I'm afraid that the Australians will continue to change the rules so that they furnish the origin because that is their pinnacle event. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Good um, good message from you. Didn't um, didn't Callum Ponga play for the... He played for the Māori All-Stars, didn't he? Well, so did Dane Gagai. Yeah, that's true. Um, thanks for your text there, Craig. Uh, let's go to number two. That's two! Get off him! Two! This one's Jimmy. Uh, this is a great question, Jimmy. It says, uh, first of all, uncle is a legend. Shot Uncle Kempi. Uh, the Tri-Nations <laughs> final when Bluey was coached was a masterclass of coaching. One roaming half, Stacey, and then four centres, Harpy, uh, Fatuda, uh, uh, Torpy, and Wagner. Brilliant. What sort of formation should the Kiwis have? A left-right half structure or a traditional first-second receiver set up where the halves roam both sides of the field? You know, the difference between a Kiwi coach and, and Madge Maguire is that uh, Madge will probably coach a structure that is currently being coached in the NRL where they'll have lead runners and they'll have sweepers and they'll try and get on the overlap and, and, and score tries that way. The difference with Blue McLennan was that, and he's actually said this, I listened to an interview with him last week, is that you know if you're copying people, you're actually not improving or you're not even coming up with anything yourself. And the, the good stuff about this, this question from um, the text is that, you know, 
like be innovative. Try something different. Mm. You know, use you use your strengths and and come up with something that's actually going to break down an Australian side first and foremost, and and deal with a Great Britain team. So, um, I couldn't tell you what the structures are, other than I I simply believe that the structure will follow the current NRL structure that's being played at the moment, which is a lead runner with a sweeper around the back. Uh, then, uh, well, great question there from Jimmy. Let's go to tackle three. Tackle three. Why this doesn't have a name on it, but uh, why do the Warriors forwards always escape criticism? They regularly make opposition journeymen look like elite props. Currently, the weakest middle in the competition, the smallest middle in the competition, one of the smallest middles. I don't, I don't think they escape criticism. I think one of the points that we've been making, especially on the breakfast show, is that the loss of Fanua Blake and Matt Lodge yeah. has taken away a number, um, a, a, a huge number from the, the weight scales and the size of the, the middle player and when you add Jess Tavaga to the number 10 jersey who plays well above his weight, you actually don't get that punch through the middle. So uh, really simple. You know, Remember Joe Johns came on the show and he said, look, if you don't win the middle and you don't go forward, then your halfbacks are really going to struggle. Well, it's I don't think you can say it any more simpler than that. They're not escaping criticism. They are, they are basically um, right in the firing line at the moment why the team isn't going that well. Go to tackle number four. That's four. Get back four. It's Lump, uh, Ken and Dave's messages together. Ken says, uh, Sam and Kempe slowly getting over the Blues loss, but great fan of the NRL. And the Dragons, who are in the top eight. Great win last week too. But can they make the top four? if Hunt stays fit from Ken. And I'm going to dovetail that into Dave, who says, Sammy and Kempe, at 15 bucks to make the top eight, looking at the draw, are the doggies <laughs> doggies good value? So let's go, Kempe. Doggies in the eight and uh, Dragons potentially top four. What do you oh, think? look, they're... Uh, look, um, possibly the doggies in the eight. I don't think so. I think they still got a little bit too much to do to get there. Um, so I'll leave it at that one. But, mate, they went on a roll. We've seen them do that before. And as far as the Dragons go, I don't think they're a top four side. I think they're too erratic. I think, yeah. the, I think the top four side, when I mean, you're looking at the likes of Eels, Manly, um, you know, teams that probably around the sort of same calibre, that's a big race to get into that fourth spot. And Dave's actually also said Panthers-Cowboys final, question mark. Well, I think the look. I seriously think that the Cowboys are playing for each other, and what they're doing is letting you know that because they're playing for each other, that they're a dead shot at the final. You know, mm. if 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 they, I've man, I've watched a couple of games there this year the Cowboys, and I've never seen a a team as cohesive and as as wanting to win a game as the Cowboys are this year. Let's have a look at Manly's game last week. Ten minutes down, you know, to go on the clock, and they and everyone was was home. Let's go home. The game's over. Yeah. And what happens? They get them by two points. And they basically, I listened to an interview. They basically saying, "Well, we knew we had the points in us. Mm. We just had to believe in it." The Todd Payton effect. Okay, let's go to the last tackle. Last tackle! This is the last! This is from Jamie, and uh, we've left the best one till last. I uh, love the show, guys. My question, can the International Rugby League step in and stop Australia making all the rules, or do they make the rules, or do they make the rules a guy like Murray Tuolangi from North Queensland should also be available for Kiwi selection from Jamie? And I'm going to take that question, just add a bit onto it, Kempe. International rugby league, we talk about it so much. We need to have more of it. Um, the NRL or the Australians in particular don't give it as much credit as it deserves. What what's the I guess the ideal, and uh, what is the fix now? What's the solution? Well, the, the the solution is to have a a schedule for the next five years of international football that's locked into the NRL calendar. Um, and you're dead right. The NRL ain't going to let that happen because they want to control the the main. Uh, media right, which is the the NRL and the origin, and internationals play a little, if any, uh, effect in that competition. So, can the international board make changes? No, 
and what needs to happen? Well, they need to, to get with the NRL and say that the inter- international game needs support to put a five-year schedule together. There you go. There's our six again, your six questions. We do it every week. Uh, you can text in any question on double eight double three. We'll uh, we'll try and pick it up as we go. We'll take a short break. When we come back, uh, we will have a look at this weekend's round of rugby league, which is international round, so we've got a lot of international games to get through, as well as State of Origin Game 2, Blues and Maroons, on Sunday night. So we'll do that after the break. SCNZ. Have your say on the great game of rugby league. 0800 150 811. This is Running It Straight on SENZ. Round run through. We usually go through uh, the NRL uh, rounds coming up, uh, but obviously it's international weekend, so we've got a bunch of internationals and we've got a State of Origin on Sunday. So let's run through the games, Kempi. I know the one you've got your eye on the most over the weekend is Friday night. Uh, sorry, no, tonight at 9.30, and that's Lebanon-Malta. Mm. Um, big game. What are, you, what are you picking? Can Malta do the upset? Yeah, look, I don't think so. I've got I've got Lebanon down as favourites. This one, this one's really interesting because there's quite a few um, kids playing through the NRL with the heritage yes. and trying to build. Um, you know, you, you look at I guess the biggest one is James Tedesco uh, and and Robbie Farah that could could play through that sort of stuff of that, that caliber type of player. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good it's a good kickoff though. I, you know, look, I looked at the international window and I just thought that that matchup matchup was fine. But when you go down at the Kiwis Taiwan's fine. I thought. Samoa could probably have played uh, Fiji because I think those are the two songs and, and Papua New Guinea could have been up against the Cook Islands. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know how they came around that Pacific flow. Um, but yeah, I think at the start, I think the start, I think the Lebanon side's just going to have too much strength. So then the first game of the weekend of the Saturday night is the New Zealand game at Mount Smart, New Zealand v Tonga. Now, I've spoken to Dwayne Mann about it a lot. Um, we've chatted about it throughout the week, Kempi, but uh, what, are your, what are your predictions? What do you think happens? Uh, look, I tend to agree with Dwayne. I think that um, we have them in the spine. And, you know, the young halfback that's playing for Tonga is going up to the Dolphins in 2023. Uh, you know, he apparently can play. Coming the out of the Yeah, coming, coming out of the... Um, Dragons? About the yeah. yeah, there's another the younger kid too that's covering for him. Right. Um, so I think Amone and and that spine is just a little bit too young to be getting them around the field over an 80 minute period. And I think that's where the Kiwis have got them. Yeah. So um, interesting for me that I think uh, we where they opened up at a dollar twenty in the uh, on the book. I think I think that was a bit too short, given that Tonga has probably won the last couple of internationals. So, mm. you know, with a with a home ground advantage for Tonga, because it will be um, more red than black in the in the grandstand. And I know that the Kiwis will want to to get an, uh, a heap of fans there to, to sort of level it out. But man, you just you, you never know what that support does for those boys when they go out there. No, I mean I, I think the Kiwis are going to win it, but I was surprised that it was so short. I think you know Tonga can't be underrated. That full pack for Tonga is phenomenal, um, and maybe. With the go forward they get, it might make it a little bit easier for the halves. But we'll wait and see. Um, after them, Samoa Cook Islands and that Samoa team. I mean, if you thought the Tongan team was stacked, uh, that Samoa team's pretty stacked, Kempi. Oh, yeah, Charlie Staines, Taylor May's going well. You know, you got the Penrith Edge. Um, yeah, there's players all over the over the field with lots of NRA experience up against the, I guess, the Cook Island side that has a lot of uh, second tier players playing through the New South Wales and Queensland competition. A couple of um, Ruben Rennie and his brother are playing there. A couple of Auckland boys, Anthony Gallings coming back. I don't even know if he's playing football at the moment. <laughs> but Kevin Edel's two boys I are in there too. I was just going to say, uh, are they are they related? They are. Well, they're his sons, Kale, um, who's playing fullback, 
and I think his other son's coming off the bench, is Andre, he? yeah. Andre. He's in the reserves, yeah. He's in so, the reserves. Yeah. So um, Andre's a front row. He's uh, Kevin's oldest boy, and Kale's been oh, he's been through the 20s competition here at the Warriors, Newcastle. Uh, he's actually been up to England as well, so I think he's back, back in uh, Australia at the moment. Just I think Samoa have got going to have just too much class for that one. Uh, Ronald Vogman on the uh, in the reserves for Samoa as well. Be interested to see if uh, if he gets cracked. And then uh, the late night Saturday game is uh, Papua New Guinea and Fiji. Um, like you said, I think Samoa Fiji was the sort of matchup that made a lot of more sense. Um, so what Fiji probably strong favourites in that one. Yeah, I'd say so. Like again, most of the Queensland boys, uh, most of the Papua New Guinea boys playing the Queensland competition, um, which is you know not a bad competition. But when you look through the the Fijian side, well, geez, look at the back row number eleven, Kikau. Yeah, you know what it's I mean. Your favourite player. Yep. Look at the wingers, um, Seville, um, uh, Walker Blake. You know, uh, Ravel Awa. You know, it's just they've got just. I reckon it's so exciting when the Fijians get out on the football field, the way that they uh, like sing their hymn before the game and then get into their football. Oh, I'll be watching it. I, I just, I think they're just exciting. It is a great weekend to just park up on the couch, three games back to back, and then on Sunday, Kempi, it's a big one uh, in Perth. It is the Blues and the Maroons game two of State of Origin. The Maroons up one nil. Gee, we probably need another 20 minutes to talk about this one, but uh, Freddie's made a lot of changes to the Blues side, and we just had um, Gary Belcher on with staff about an hour and a half ago, and he was saying that, um, you know, they weren't probably desperate changes, but you'd, if you're a Maroons fan, you'd be licking your lips, wouldn't you, that uh, they're in a little bit of disarray? Well, I think of the mind games, I think if you have a look at that, that Billy's got one up over... Over Freddie, you know, so Freddie looks like he's made those changes early on um, and made his mind up to to put so many blokes back into the the New South Wales side. But the real interesting one for me is that he's really heavily influenced the side by Penrith. Mm. So if you look at um, Matt Burton going to the centres with Brian Toor, uh, they defensively over the last couple of years when they're playing together have been very good. They hadn't lost many games. You add that to Jerome Law and Nathan Cleary and up, um, uh, Curacao and Hooker, and I think what they've done is they've stabilised their spine to try and get Nathan Cleary back into the game. So yep. uh, it's it's heavy reliant, heavily reliant on the Penrith mix. Mm. And on the other hand, with, with the Queensland boys, the only problem I got with the Queensland side being named is Lindsay Collins and uh, Tino uh, playing loose forward don't cover Cotter that well. So no. Cotter covers 80 minutes and it changes the, the the mix on your bench and the impact that your bench has. Um, yeah, you still got Pat Carrigan coming off the bench with his good leg speed, but Cotter was getting better as the game went on in 80 totally. minutes. Yeah. And, and I don't think that happens when you've got to rest your big lock and your big front rower probably a couple of times during the game. Yeah, and just remember Matt Burden obviously spent all that time at the Panthers, so I know he's at the Bulldogs this year, but he's very familiar with how those boys play as well. So you can almost throw him in as a quasi-Panther into that New South Wales side in, t- in terms of working together with you know those other guys around. Yeah, and people people be looking and going, well, what are, you, what are you picking the number six that plays for the Bulldogs and the centres for, for New South Wales? You've got to remember that he played centre yeah, exactly. for Panthers when he won a premiership mm-hmm. and uh, uh, inside uh, to all the winger and they were absolutely defensively strong and he was he, he'd be looking at that uh, Freddie. The, the problem that I have with it is it's reliant 
on Penrith. Mm. You know what I mean? It's reliant on those players actually playing at the top of their game. It'll be interesting to see as well, Api Coruscant and Damian Cook coming off the interchange is sort of that Queensland model with you know Grant being on the interchange coming on for um, Ben Hunt. So looks like Freddie's playing into uh, Billy's hands a little bit there. We're running out of time, Kempi, so we're not going to be able to keep going on that. We are going to uh, go inside the 10 after the break and uh, Kempi's going to take a deep dive into uh, into a very interesting part of the game. I can't wait to hear this. We'll come back after the break. SCNZ. Hard-hitting analysis of one of the greatest games on earth. We're talking rugby league. This is Running It Straight on SCNZ. Going inside the 10 as we finish up the show, Kimby takes a deep dive into an element of the game. And this one came in last week on our text machine. We didn't quite get to it, so I thought I'd put it to you here for six again, Kimby. It's from Tim, who says, uh, Kim, question for Kimby. How come in the NRL, edges are always caught out defensively? Yeah, well, one of them is the structure that they play, trying to get the overlap all the time with a lead runner and a sweeper. The easiest way to remember that is that the shepherd is always in play if he doesn't get over the outside of the lead runner first and foremost. But the easiest way to think of a defensive line is in part team, um, the the line of 12 blokes in front. So you break them into three fours, okay? So you have a left edge. So that's the winger, centre, back row, half on both sides of the field. So that's eight. And in the middle, you have another four, all right, which is normally your lock, your hooker, and your two front rowers. So they, in those part teams, have to work together. The reason they get caught on the outside is because they get caught out of position uh, sometimes, but because the middle doesn't work hard enough for the edges who have to come in because right. they're caught with a short man uh, um, on the outside. Because it happens quite often. You wonder, how do they not fix this? So, so. that's why Nathan Cleary, those Type of, those type of halfbacks are so good at counting numbers and putting players up against a player outside them to shorten the defensive lineup so they can get them on the outside. Brilliant. We've got 20 seconds finished, Kempi. We always finish the show with a power play for the weekend. What's your TAB power play this weekend? All right, I can't back some more because they're unbackable, so I'm do- taking Taylor May, any try, time try score. Fiji to win, New Zealand to win, Queensland to win, and one other. No, no that's that was it. What's it? Pain? Four bucks. Brilliant. Four bucks. There you go. That's running it straight. We'll be back next Wednesday. The run home coming up next. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.